0: to remind everyone that next June is family camp. <laughs> yeah, 51 weeks away from now, roughly. So this morning, I want to uh, start by asking you some questions. Uh, or rather, you could call them riddles. And I love riddles. I've, I talked about this before. I didn't rent... Um, many books from my library growing up i rented optical illusion books i spy books a greek mythology book that i now own that i got from the library and riddles i rented books about riddles so i'm gonna ask you give you guys some riddles don't just shout them out when you think you have an answer raise your hand to indicate that you think you got it okay so what two things can you never eat for breakfast chuck what do you got Lunch and dinner. That's right, <laughs> Chuck, the master of useless information over there. Okay, number two. What has hands but cannot clap? Karina, what do you think you got? A clock. Yeah, that's right. Another master of useless information over there. No. <laughs> what has a head, a tail, is brown, but has no legs? Yeah. Hmm, monkey has legs, fortunately. Did I see another hand over here? Chuck, I saw your hand. Okay. <laughs> what has a head, a tail, is brown, but has no legs. Yeah. A penny. That's right, down back there. Another master of you No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, kidding. I'm not kidding. What does uh where does Friday come before Thursday? in the dictionary. That's right. Okay. What has 13 hearts, but no stomachs or lungs? Yeah. Deck of cards. Yeah. Okay. This one, if you have it, you don't share it. If you share it, you don't have it. What is it? Did I hear a whisper of it? A secret? Yeah, perfect. That's right. Okay, the last one here. You're in a dark room with a box of matches. Nearby are three things a candle, an oil lamp, and a log of firewood. Which one do you light first? Chuck? Yeah, that's right. You light the match first. So, I think we all love a good riddle and good questions really get our minds thinking about uh, challenging our assumptions and challenging what we think is real or what we know and riddles aren't important to our lives really uh, they are a lot of fun but they actually don't lead us to any significant change or understanding however the bible poses many really good questions and Jesus is a master of questions so I want to read for you a quote I found off uh, godled.org it says the gospel records over 300 questions that Jesus asked during his ministry, yet he directly answered only three of the 183 questions that people asked him. Why? Perhaps answer, uh, perhaps answers satisfy our curiosity and put our minds to sleep. Questions, on the other hand, stir up our thoughts, hassle our consciences, and push us towards answers through deeper study. They encourage conversation and investigation. Good questions can be transformative. Jesus' questions are all that and more. They have the power to cut through our assumptions, prejudices, and fears to show us what is truly in our hearts. If we prayfully answer them, Jesus' questions will transform us. This morning we are starting a series, and we're going to be looking at the questions that Jesus asked. Along the way, we are going to think critically about what he asked and why he asked these questions. And we're going to learn from these questions and look at how Jesus used questions to urge us deeper into the truth and lighten our minds and change the world. So I want to start out by establishing what I think is an important baseline in the way that Jesus asked questions. So many of us ask questions because we actually need to know things and don't have the answers to them, which is a normal reason to ask questions. Of course, we also have asked rhetorical questions um, to emphasize points. And Jesus did this too, a lot to bring clarity into situations. Um, it's obvious from scripture, if, if you've read much of the New Testament, that uh, Jesus seems to have this kind of enlightened knowledge of people uh, that he was dealing with. And often... He knew what people were thinking or what they were feeling before he would ask questions to them. So I just want to read for you a couple verses to establish uh, this morning what Jesus' awareness of the human mind and heart was. So Matthew twelve twenty five says, And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself laid waste, and any city of, or house divided against itself will not stand. Again, in Matthew twelve eighteen, it says that Jesus perceived their malice. Mark twelve, or excuse me, Mark two eight. It says, immediately Jesus was aware in his spirit what they were reasoning within themselves. Luke six eight says that he knew what they were thinking. John two twenty five says Jesus knows what is in the heart of man. It's obvious that Jesus had access to some kind of hidden knowledge that goes beyond just perception, and I think it's because he was in relationship with God. And obviously, God knows everything. And he can see into our hearts. And I think that he illuminated that to Jesus. Luke 6.15 says, uh, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. So all of that is to establish this morning that Jesus is better understanding us than we think. And he's asking questions from a place of knowledge, not to figure something out, but to establish a truth to lead us deeper into uh, what he knows, what he wants us to know, and how we're supposed to live. So on that note, I want you to turn with me to John chapter one this morning, and we're going to take a look at uh, the first question that Jesus asked. So the book of John opens up with this kind of poetic language about uh, what God's purpose and point of bringing Jesus into creation is for. Why is Jesus here? And then he also introduces a guy named, by the name of John the Baptist. So John the disciple wrote the book. John the Baptist is not the same guy. John the Baptist was chosen by God to prepare Israel For The message that Jesus was going to bring For Jesus' arrival And so This John the Baptist guy Is really causing a lot of trouble in Israel He's really stirring things up And he's making the religious elite the, The Pharisees Really mad And so they're questioning him And they're giving him a hard time And John was preaching one day About this guy who's going to come This Messiah who is Jesus And he sees him coming Look at John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, he, meaning John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I have said, After after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of earth, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he knew, but He who sent me to baptize in water said to me, that's God. God said, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him. This is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So God says to John, hey, if you see the Holy Spirit on someone, that's the guy you should be paying attention to. And so in verse 34, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. So John has a few followers, people who were interested in what he had to say. And obviously, as his disciples, they trusted his word. And so when John the Baptist says, hey, that's the guy we've been waiting for for 500 years, they pay attention. So naturally, these guys, when they figure out, oh, maybe we should follow this Messiah, they they start walking after him. And Jesus And look at uh, verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them and said, What do you seek? So up to this point in the book, John has not recorded anything that Jesus said. These are the first words out of Jesus' mouth in the book of John, which means the first words that Jesus ever speaks in this gospel is a question. What do you seek? So we've already established that Jesus had some kind of extra knowledge usually when he was dealing with people and when he's asking questions they're most likely a little deeper than what they look like on the surface so put yourself in these disciples shoes so they're following John the Baptist and John the Baptist says hey that's the guy we've been waiting for just walking down the road by you the, the guy you've been waiting for your entire life you've read scriptures about him in synagogue school you've, you've probably sung songs about him You've sung about the chosen Messiah. So imagine being these guys and seeing Jesus walking by, and they're following him, and he just kind of turns around and says, what do you want? What are you looking for? Personally, if I were them, I think I'd probably say something stupid or embarrassing. I don't know what I would say, but it would probably be stupid. So they get these questions. They get this question from Jesus that says, what do you want? And what we know right now is just a few verses down is that one of these guys is Andrew, who's going to become a disciple of Jesus. We don't know that right at this point, but just a couple verses down, it specifies that. And so a future disciple of Jesus is getting asked the question, what do you want by Jesus himself? So Jesus probably knew that this guy was going to be his disciple, which makes this question all the more interesting. So what, uh, what do these guys say? They'll look at the rest of verse 38 here. Watch out for hickory nuts. At least they're small this time of year. They're not full size yet. So these guys look at Jesus and they say, Rabbi, which translating means teacher, they asked, where are you staying? So Jesus asks, what do you want? And they they answered with, where are you staying? The answer to Jesus' question is that they wanted to follow him. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to spend time with him. And I think that this answer is extremely telling. Imagine all the things that they could have said. They could have asked Jesus what his attack plan was to kick the Romans out of Israel. Many people thought the Messiah was going to come and kick the Israelites out of Israel. Or kicked, not the Israelites, kicked the Romans out of Israel. They could have asked him when he's going to claim to be the king of Israel. They could have asked him for a miracle. They could have tested him. They could have uh, seen if he really was the guy they were looking for. But instead of any of that, they simply just said, we want to be with you. What do you want? We want to be with you. And I think that is a lesson in and of itself. I think we could just stop right there. And think about it for the rest of the day. What do we want from Jesus? Why are we following him? What about him has caught our attention? So I'm just going to warn you, as this series goes on for the next few weeks, there are going to be a lot of rhetorical questions that you should be answering for yourself um, and thinking about. That's just the nature of the series. And there's another really important question, I think, that ties to this one. I just want to take a look at it real quick. Look at Matthew chapter 16 with me. So at this point, the disciples have been with Jesus for a little while. And he asks them what I would be con- what I would consider the follow-up question to what we read in John chapter 1. So look at verse 13 and 14 of Matthew 16. Now when he, Jesus, came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do, you, what do the people say the Son of Man is? Who, do, who, rather, do the people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So at this point, just pause here for a second. At this point, Jesus has created a name for himself. Uh, people are wondering who he is, and they're confused about who he is, because obviously they see him doing things from God. They aren't quite sure, though, what he's doing, because he isn't meeting all the expectations that they think the Messiah should be meeting. So there's a lot of debate about Jesus, and so... Maybe he's John the Baptist, maybe he's Elijah or another prophet. No one is really sure who he is. But then Jesus wants to ask the big question to his disciples, something that's going to change them forever. And this is why I think um, this is a good follow-up to what we read in John chapter 1. Look at verse 15. Jesus asks them, but who do you say I am? So here's why this is a good follow-up question. In John chapter 1, he asks the disciples, what do you want? And they said that they want to spend time with him and get to know him. And now that they've spent time with him, they should know who he is. And so he follows up by asking, who do you think I am? After you've been with me, who do you think I am? And he, Peter pipes up, as Peter does. He's very bold and Talks first, thinks later. But in this particular case, it worked out really well. Look at what he says in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there, my friends, is exactly what Jesus wanted to hear as an answer from his disciples. A lot of the times um, at Bible college, we would call them "duh" disciples, like, uh, we don't really know what's going on. But in this particular case, they actually did a really good job. They knew exactly what Jesus was looking for. And as a quick note, remember that Christ is just the Greek translation of the word Messiah. So when Peter says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, that encompasses all of the Old Testament prophecy, all of what Jesus was doing in his ministry. And in Peter's answer... We also see Jesus' relationship to God. He is the son of God. And we also see Peter confessing the reality of God, the living God. So they got it. It was a full full point answer. There's nothing missing. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. You are the son of God. And you're the son of the living God. So it's now like they have everything at this point figured out. But they are with the right person who is able to lead them to life and the truth. And they realize how important Jesus is. And I think that this is the realization that we need to come to. So here is the part on a normal Sunday where I would bring up the three bullet point list on the slides behind me so that you guys could have the application to take it with you for the week, but we don't have a screen here, so I'm just going to ask you some questions instead. What do you want from Jesus? Are you looking for a miracle worker? Someone to fix your problems? Are you with Jesus because you are dragged along by the other people in your life and it just happens to be something you have to do? Are you looking to Jesus as some kind of a solution to a problem? Or are you with Jesus because you want to know him? Because you want to seek after him? Because you want to live with him and for him? Which leads me to my next question. Who do you say Jesus is? So in this day and age, there are a lot of possible answers to that question. Some people don't even think that Jesus actually existed. Even though... Historically speaking, even really strong atheists agree that Jesus was a real figure, but somehow it's sneaked into uh, the populace that maybe he wasn't even real, even though it's a pretty definite historical fact. Some people say that Jesus is just a good guy that we can learn from, sure, but he didn't have everything right. Some people say that Jesus was a hate-filled man who came to push his moral agenda onto people and wants to control what you think. Some people think... That he was a nut job who claimed to be the son of God and did magic tricks to get people to follow him. But the question is, who do you think Jesus is? What do you think Jesus is about? So if Jesus came up to you and said, who do you say I am, what would you say in response? And what you say could change your life. It does change your life. Do you think that he's the Messiah, the chosen one of God, who has come to change the world? Do you think he's the son of the living God who has been given the power over life and death? Do you think he's the man who's able to, who is able to able to die for your sins and be raised on the third day? Who do you say Jesus is? And are you prepared, importantly, are you prepared to give that answer to other people? So I, I think oftentimes... Every once in a while, at least, we need to take a step back and examine our faith and just recenter ourselves and ask ourselves if we're invested like we were at the beginning. Have we lost sight of who Jesus is? Do we still love him? Are we still devoted to him? Are we ready to live for him? These are just a few of the questions that pour out of the questions that Jesus asks us in Scripture. And I want to encourage you this week to think about your answers to these questions. I'm really looking forward to going more into the series next week, looking at other questions that Jesus asked people and what we can learn from that. So I hope you guys come back next week. And on that note, please pray with me this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, be out here on a beautiful morning, to uh, learn about your son, to enjoy your beautiful nature and the things that you've created Thank you for this family that you brought together. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.